Hi everybody, this is Tova from Operation Tube Top. And it is Monday night and the husband's out, the kid is in bed, and hopefully he's asleep and I'll get to a story about the kid shortly. Uh, I'm going to set the scene. I'm on my sofa, I'm in my PJs, I have a glass of wine, there are candles going and it is pouring rain outside. This this is my happy place. This is my hashtag Gemütlichkeit. I love this so much. Sorry to all my summer loving friends. I love you, but this, this is me. This is what I love. Um, also the clothes are much more flattering. Before I get started, I wanted to quickly do a shout out to Christy from Utah. Um, a friend of mine, Ramey told me that you work with her sister and that she, that you love my podcast. And that to me is incredibly touching and exciting. And that it's just not my mom and dad listening to this and my good friends. <laughs> so thank you so much, Christy. And I hope you keep tuning in. And I really appreciate it, and I am definitely a slave for compliments. So keep up the good work. Thank you, Christy. Um, yeah, so as I said before, it's Monday, and uh, the kid's in bed. I think he might be asleep already. I put him in about 15 minutes ago, a little bit earlier than usual. Because this morning, Monday morning, he had to get up at 6, because the bus comes at, was well, supposed to come at 6.40, but it's been coming at 6.35. So we pretty much have 35 minutes to get him ready. And he likes to sleep, and he's the opposite of me. Uh, he likes to sleep in a little bit. He doesn't like to sleep in general. Um, so he was he crawled into bed with me around 5.30, and then at 6, I was like, all right, kiddo, time to wake up. And he did not want to wake up. So the husband and I, as I wrote on Facebook, we were like cruise directs directors were like who wants to play volleyball on the deck come on and we were just you know super excited and calling him a good boy and you know we're half asleep but we're hopped up on parent um I don't even know what it's called we were just trying to get him out of bed so I brought out chocolate chip cookies and I was like you want a cookie you can have a cookie just get out of my damn bed let's go and uh he was, he was a little grumpy. He wasn't too happy with us, but we just kept pushing and pushing and got him dressed, put on his shoes. He kind of sat in the, uh, in the hallway, uh, looking a little sad, a little exhausted. And then we put on his sweater and we grabbed his backpack and we walked downstairs and the bus was waiting for him and he saw it and started jumping up and down in excitement. And we were like, yes, exactly. This is fantastic. So this for us is a, is a huge thing to see that he's actually genuinely happy to get on this bus. And then today was also different from last week because Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, he'll be staying till 10 to 4, which is a super long day for him because usually he would finish kindergarten at 1. Uh, the reasons, reason why we're doing it three times a week instead of five times a week is that he can get more therapy Tuesdays and Thursdays. And uh, so today uh, he was supposed to be dropped off, I guess, around 4.20. The, yeah, that's right. Um the husband left work so that he could meet him outside with the nanny just for the first time of his first long day. Bus didn't come until about 4.40, so that's like a 10-hour day for him. And uh, I guess he got off the bus super excited and super happy, so thank goodness for that. And when I got home around 6, the therapy aide said that he was just full of excitement and super focused, and the nanny said he was great. They left, I made him some dinner, gave him a bath, and then threw him into bed. So, you know, fingers crossed that he gets a good night's sleep. And uh, we can make the next, you know, what, 40 weeks of this um, school year? Yeah, we can do it. That's fine. Oh, God. Anyway, so 
as I said, the last podcast, I think I was half asleep. I don't even listen to my podcasts uh, afterwards. I listened maybe for a couple minutes to make sure that it recorded properly, but otherwise, um, especially Friday night, I was so exhausted. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I have no idea what I said, but I know that I promised to talk a little bit about the history of the places I took my, when I did my walk uh, last Wednesday, this epic, crazy walk around Vienna. So I decided to do a little bit of research on the places, even though I kind of know the basic history, I thought maybe I'd look up um, the boring history and tell you all, because <laughs> hey, you got to talk about Vienna a little bit. I'm also going to talk about our weekend um, and what I have planned for the next week, and uh, maybe I'll take a break, drink some more wine, but otherwise I'm just, just loving this Monday night, super committee, yeah. So as I said on Wednesday, I or as I said on Friday, on Wednesday, I took a walk to Schönbrunn, or I took the U-Bahn to Schönbrunn, which is this amazing palace, the mini Versailles, um, yellow colored building. And I decided to kind of research it, even though I kind of knew about it. I thought, all right, I, I live here. I don't know that much about it. So I, of course, Wikipedia it, and it is kind of from the 1700s. There used to be another uh, castle there, and that was torn down, and they built this uh, palace, and they kind of developed it over many years to different styles. And one thing that stood out is that it has 1,441 rooms. And I'm like, we have three. And I can also imagine people on International House Hunters being like, that's great, but does it have granite countertops? Because that's really important to us as a family. Um, yeah. So apparently it was a wedding gift uh, to Maria Theresa, who was that very famous empress that I've talked about before. I think she was the only real big Austrian empress who had 17 children. Ask her about work-life balance and working mom versus stay-at-home mom. Um, I guess after World War II, uh, it was occupied because there was the allied occupation from 1945 to 1955 and this is when the countries that apparently won the war split Vienna up into different sections so you had the French section the British the Russian and the American and I guess this was a place where the British uh, military hung out when it was kind of when the Austrian Republic was reestablished in 1955, they used it some. They used it for important events. So, for example, when JFK met um, Khrushchev of the USSR in 1961, this was a, a place they met. So they do it for very important events. So obviously, my next birthday party, hopefully happening at Schönbrunn. Another thing that was interesting is when I took my walk through Schönbrunn, I walked up to the Glorietta, which is kind of this recreated Roman. Um, structure let's just call it that's what a big eagle on top it was uh, maria Theresa decided that the glorietta should be designed to glorify habsburg power and the just war which means that war is only carried out of necessity that will lead to peace so the habsburgs the ruling um, family of austria it was very very important to them um, to avoid war and instead marry they were all they were all about the love i don't think there was love in these unions but it was pretty much why don't we do real estate through love versus um, massacres? So that's kind of what the Habsburgs were very famous for. Um, I guess in the Second World War, I didn't know this, that the Glorietta was destroyed. And they restored it in 1947, so just, you know, three years after the war. And then again in 1995, just to, I guess, make it a little bit pretty. So that was kind of interesting to hear about Schindler. 
And there are, of course, many more facts that I can talk about, but I'm not, I'm not, this is not all about facts. You guys can, you guys can look up, look it up on Wikipedia. After I went to Schönbrunn, I took the U-Bahn to Heiligenstadt. And the thing that's interesting about Heiligenstadt, that was my old U-Bahn station back when I was a teenager, um, there's, when you get out of the station, there's this huge structure and it's called the Karl, Karl Marx Hof. And Karl Marx, as we know, uh, was kind of one of the founding fathers of communism. And it's funny because the husband went to go see the Karl Marx um, film. It's kind of this period piece. And he was like, I didn't know he was German. <laughs> and I was like, oh, what did you learn in school? And uh, he was kind of shocked that the guy came from wealth and he wasn't Russian. It was a, it was kind of a funny conversation, and I worried about his education at a, at a German international school in Nairobi, actually. Anyway, um, so that's what I can tell you about Heiligenstadt. And the funny thing is that I took the 38A bus, which can take you all the way, way up to Kallenberg, which is this has this panoramic view of the city. But instead, I got off to look at my old house, which I mentioned before. And across the street is the Beethoven Park. And I tried to research Beethoven Park, and there's very little information about Beethoven Park, funny, funnily enough. And I know historically from when I was about 15, I'd go to this park at a basketball court, which I think Beethoven probably played in as well. Those are the facts. And I used to do this stupid thing where I was like, I have to sink three balls in a row. And that means that guy likes me. And I'm five foot two and I don't play basketball. So obviously no guy liked me uh, back in the day, but that, that park is very lovely. And if you are in that area, there's a little um, kids area, kids playground, and there's that basketball park, um, basketball court, and a lovely little stream. And I need to find out more about this place because I really couldn't find much on, you know, I clicked, I think, on two websites. I probably should have done a little bit more research. So then after that, I went down to Neustorf and I said, you know, like Nut Village. And I found out that Neustar was officially mentioned for the first time in a deed from the Klosterneuburg Monastery from 1114. Now, Klosterneuburg is a town just outside of Vienna, and it has this very huge, famous monastery. And it's famous um, probably for other reasons, but if you ever watched In the Name of the Rose, that film, I think it had Sean Connery in it, uh, about monks and murder, and that's the monastery. So fun fact, uh, favorite murder, <laughs> Klosterneuburg. So it was um, the name Nussdorf, and they have said here on Wikipedia, nut town, probably derives from the numerous nut trees and hazelnut shrubs that grew in the area as late as the beginning of the 19th century. Now, let me just say that I don't, I, hazelnut shrubs doesn't make sense because we have a hazelnut tree in the park and down the street, and those little, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to swear, fuckers will fall down on your head. They're, they kind of come in these weird alien looking uh, green things and then they fall out of the tree and hit you same like the chestnuts so I don't know where they get shrubs from but maybe I should I don't know anything about plants so I should look into it um the other thing they say is uh, in terms of the name some also trace the name back to the Slavic word for miserable now uh that makes a lot of sense because I lived in the 19th for a while and I was quite miserable because I was 16 and I wanted to partay and there was no partaying in the 19th, let me tell you. So, um, yeah, it was just quite interesting to hear that it was kind of an old place because it was right on the bank of the Danube. And at that time, they only had a few huts, which primarily accommodated ferrymen or travelers. And settlement was often flooded. 
great. So that's that's a little history about Nussdorf. There's also a Beethoven house in that area because Beethoven was known for being a difficult tenant. And by the way, German, uh, not Austrian, but he lived in Vienna. And I guess in this one house uh, in the Nussdorf area, he wrote shit and stuff. I don't know. I, I should research that too. God, I'm the worst. Um, after my trip to Neustorf, I took the tram, as I said, to Hauptbahnhof and then walked through the Belvedere. So I did a little bit of research, uh, about the Belvedere and I'll get to that in a second, but I hear my child talking loudly. So I'll be right back. Yeah. Okay. I'm back. He's fine. He's just standing in bed and being a goof. He must be exhausted, but he's like his mother. Um, so yeah, the next stop was Belvedere. And so there are two kind of palaces in the Belvedere. So there's the upper and the lower, and the upper is the more kind of spectacular one. So apparently it was um, commissioned by Prince Eugen, uh, or Prince Eugene, which uh, Eugen sounds better. Eugene sounds a little bizarre. So uh, I guess upon his death, he didn't have any heirs, so he ended up leaving it to his niece. And she married a man that was quite a bit younger, so it was a little bit of Demi Moore, Ashton Kutcher happening. And then the marriage didn't end well, or they divorced, and she ended up kind of giving it up, because she or selling it, because she was like, yeah, a lot of bad memories here. It was taken over by Maria Teresa, that woman hustled, and her husband. They never moved into it, um, but apparently the lower Belvedere, what they did was they put uh, the imperial portraits uh, in this whole place. It was like big hallways filled with family photos and my grandmother back in Sombra had the same thing in her ranch style house it was one wall filled with family pictures so I can imagine it was just the same um so apparently in 1770 this is kind of interesting there was a masked ball on the 17th of April to mark the occasion of the imperial princess Maria Antonia who was marrying the French Dauphin Dauphin Dolphin um, who later became Louis the 16th. And I think you'll now realize, as I'm telling you, Maria Antonio, uh, Antonio, Antonia ended up being Maria Antoinette. So, um, yeah, that didn't end well, but I, I would, I would love to kind of know more about this masked, masked ball. Like, did they have pigs in a blanket or their, um, Bellinis? I would like to know more about this masked ball. It sounds fabulous. Um, so pretty much the Upper Belvedere was transformed into a picture gallery at the end of the 18th century. The Lower Belvedere served chiefly to royal family members fleeing the French Revolution. Yee. Most notably, these included Princess Maria Theresa Charlotte, who was the sole surviving child of Marie Antoinette and Louise XVI. So she came home. And Archduke Ferdinand. So I guess she lived there for a while. And then I guess that they turned into, they put the place, they used the palace as an art collection holder. So back and forth and over the years. And then what was the next thing that I read? I guess that was it. So, oh yeah, sorry, totally forgot about this. So then Franz Ferdinand um, ended up moving into the Belvedere Palace. And then we know that he was assassinated and maybe been the catalyst for World War One. And so I guess the moral of the story is don't be a monarch because you're going to be killed. Not good times. Also, th so those are my, my little history stories. I hope you feel smarter now. I don't. Um, but what would be really cool is to find out if there are any ghost stories. 
murder stories about that because I'm being all murder, uh, what's it called, morbid and getting ready for Halloween. I need help. Um, so, yeah, let's talk a little bit about the weekend. So, um, Saturday, so I did my last podcast on Friday night. So Saturday morning, the kid actually slept in because he was exhausted. And in the afternoon, the plan was to go to Film Casino because Film Casino is now offering these sensory-friendly um, movie afternoons. And this is something that I've been working with the Film Casino to kind of offer. And it's not just for kids with autism. It's just any kid that has any kind of sensory overload issues or everybody's pretty much welcome. It's great that you can go. The lights are uh, higher up. The sound is lower. So we walked down. It was starting at 2, so we walked down around 1.30. It's not far from us. It's about a 15-minute walk. And the kid walked in like he owned the place. And the funny thing is back in December, the first time we went, he would not even step foot into the entrance. So he knows the place. He feels fine. And there were quite a few people in the lobby. I was actually pleasantly surprised. And uh, we were waiting for the doors to open. And the kid was running around like a mad child. And I had actually written on Facebook. I'm like, we're not going to be staying long. So if I don't see you or don't say hi to you, you look fabulous. I love you. We'll talk. We'll do drinks soon. Cause I, I knew that we weren't going to stay long. I didn't want to overload him after such a crazy week of him starting school. And I don't, I don't know if I'm into Japanese animation that much. Bad, bad mother. Anyway. So, uh, finally the movie doors open and we grab seats and we kind of get something in the aisle. Uh, my friend Lucy, who has been on this podcast before, she was there with her beautiful daughter and, uh, there were a couple of commercials. We actually bribed the kid with many chocolate chip cookies to sit in his seat for as long as possible. And then the film started. And the funny thing is that there was no sound at the beginning. And I was like, oh, this is definitely sensory friendly. <laughs> but then the sound came on. And I have to say, actually, it looks like a spectacularly, I can't speak, very beautiful um, animation. So I take back what I said before about Japanese animation. I think this is actually a very beautiful cartoon. Um, the kid ended up sitting about 15 minutes, and then he was like, um, I'm born to run. And he got out of his seat and went to the front of the theater because he has an audience and yelled in a happy way. And then we were like, yeah, we're going to go. So we ended up leaving, and uh, which is fine because – as I said before, we were not going to force him to sit still after he's had a whole week of starting something completely new. And as we walked out, the two women who were working there, they're like, oh, do you want your money back? You didn't stay. And I was like, no, 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 no. Um, this is this has been fabulous. And we, we want to support this as much as possible, especially because I put my um, not-for-profit organization name on this as well and uh, chatted to them for a little while. They're lovely. So what I want to say is please, please support uh, Film Casino I don't think they really need more support because they're quite popular already. Um, but it's organizations like these that make our lives as parents to kids with special needs so much better. You're giving us the opportunity to have a little bit of normalcy in our lives. I mean, even without the kid, I'll never be normal <laughs> in terms of what I do in my life. But at least we can go see a movie in the afternoon, even if we stay 20 minutes. It means everything to us. Also, the thing that was super exciting as we were walking, to the, walking into the theater, I saw a poster for one of my oldest friends' uh, documentary that she's been working on for, uh, I think, six, seven years. And it's funny because I remember specifically the conversation we had 
um, I think it was about six or seven years ago, we were meeting at Columbus Broy and she was in town visiting her family for Christmas. And I've known her since I was 12 years old. We met in Vienna and we did family trips uh, to Croatia on a boat. And she said, I have this idea for this documentary. And she told me the story and I had goosebumps. And I was like, I think this is so incredible. So the story, I'm not going to give it away because I actually haven't seen the film yet. Uh, but the story is based on Luciana, who is a Spain's most famous flamenco dancer from the 60s and 70s. And she was in a Peter Sellers film. And she's so famous. She's a Roma background. And um, she had a very abusive marriage and pretty much quit and was kind of like the Icantina of Spain at the time. And now she's kind of rekindled her love of this dance. And just the story is so incredible. And this film is winning awards. And I could not be prouder of my friend. Like, I want to cry because I think she had this vision and this dream and she's made it possible. And, oh, mama's proud. So I'm going to actually go see it in Vienna. I think October 6th is the... Um, the premiere date of it. So I cannot wait and, uh, check it out. And, uh, Lucia, just so incredibly proud that you've done this and she's been traveling the world for the premieres and has a, you know, baby. So that's absolutely incredible. So check that out, go to film casino, check it out. So after that, um, we ended up going home and just kind of ch chilling, did a little grocery shopping and I decided to go for a run because I knew I was going out for pizza. I'm back to running, thank goodness. It's just too hot in the summer. And I've realized that I, I can multitask. I can go for a run and I can listen to a podcast and feel like, okay, I've killed two birds with one stone. I'll be slightly less fat and I get to enjoy listening to something. Uh, after my run, I took a shower and then started getting ready because uh, a friend of mine... It was his uh, 50th birthday. So this has been planned for a long time. And the plan was to go to a pizzeria in the 4th District and then move on to a cocktail bar. So the party started at 7.30. And, of course, I showed up at 7.30. And it was kind of – it was quite warm on Saturday. And when I walked into the restaurant, it was like sweltering, sweltering hot – heat? Hot? I can't speak. Heat inside. And the table was in the back. There were 25 people expected. And it was right by the pizza oven. I was like, yeah, nah, yeah. And there are no windows that you can open. And I was like, this is the problem with modern design. We need windows that open. Because unless you're offering air conditioning, this makes no sense. This is hot. Anyway, so um, I dressed very goth on Saturday. I decided to go for a this kind of gauzy black dress and leopard print heels and dark lipstick. I don't know. I was feeling, I was feeling like I had to be gothy at a birthday party. And, uh, we sat down and saw a lot of friends and we're kind of sitting down and we want to order drinks. So it takes forever for the water to come. And this, this pizzeria Riva is usually really fantastic with service. So we're kind of like, what is going on? And it's not super crowded. Um, but I guess the waiter just did not like the cut of our jib and the water takes forever to come. And then it, he goes around with his little machine to take our orders. So I order um, an Achtel of Merlot. And then my friend tries to order, I think she ordered a Lele Spritzer or something or Aperol. And he, you know, she's ordering and he's like, wait, 
and he's very aggressive and very angry. He's figuring out this computer thing. And we were like, dude, it's okay. Just tell us you're having an issue. Don't yell at us. You don't have to yell. And he was just kind of jerky and we were like, oh, that's fine. And I don't get upset about this because it's a Saturday night. We're all having a good time. And we got our drinks after about 16 hours, but it was fine. And then the birthday boy, being just the most incredible person in the world, ordered a bunch of wine for the tables. So we were like, what? So we drank a ton of wine. We're having a great time. I ordered the Margarita Del Rey, which is a margarita pizza, so a cheese pizza, but with buffalo mozzarella. And I love that it's called Margarita Del Rey because I believe that Lana Del Rey probably orders the same pizza. That's... So we're, we're besties. That's in my, my opinion. I think that's what happens. Um, so sitting down with some friends and a friend of mine is there with her boyfriend and I decide to talk about my favorite murder because this is my, as I've said a million times, my newest obsession. So I'm talking about it and my friend's boyfriend is giving me this look like, eh? Murder? What? And then I show my little pin that my friend Lucy gave me that says murder on it. And he was just like, What? And then, you know, we start drinking some more and I talk about how I went for a run today and it's great because I can listen to a podcast. So my friend goes, do you listen to your own podcast when you run? And I start laughing hysterically because that just sounds like the most obnoxious thing to do in the world. And then <laughs> at that moment, my friend G, who's sitting beside me, laughs so hard, swings her head and ends up boinking her head against the waiter's arm, which we thought was hilarious. It's hard to translate on a podcast, but it was funny. But the waiter wasn't so nice, so we didn't feel that bad, but we did apologize. And I ended up actually hitting him with my hand later on as I was telling the story because I turned Italian as soon as I ate some pizza. Bad people. So uh, we finished up dinner, and the birthday boy covered our dinner. This is, like, out of control and amazing. Uh, thank you, Klaus for such an incredible, um, dinner and wine. And that was too much. You're amazing. And then of course, getting a big group of people to leave and start walking is always a pain in the took us. So we slowly start to head to the next place. Now our friend had booked this place months ago and had even confirmed, you know, half an hour before that we were running late, we'd be there. And the guy was like, no problem. We've got an hour to get here. Don't worry. So we walk about 25 minutes to um, this place called Poof, which I'll talk about in a second, um, in more detail. So we walk into this cocktail bar, and there are no seats. And our friend is ticked, of course, because this is something that you've booked. And there's a bachelorette party, and I'm like, oh, I don't like them. It's not their fault. Obviously, they were given the table, but there should have been space for 25 people. And the reason why it's called Poof, 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 Puff, Puff. Um, that is kind of the slang term for a brothel. Welcome to Vienna, everybody. So it used to be a brothel. And when I told the husband, he was like, um, is it big? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. It's just a cocktail bar. I think upstairs they did whatever they did. Talk about feelings and snuggle. Um, but they've converted it into a cocktail bar. And because Puff also looks, is kind of like a marshmallow. They've got these weird marshmallow lights on the ceiling. When you step outside, it's hilarious. There are these um, two little kind of bronze, I wouldn't say statues, but they're kind of stuck to the wall that are probably from the 80s, two naked women. So that's kind of the one indication that this used to be a brothel, that and that you should never bring a black light in there. Um, so 
we're waiting for drinks. It's super crowded. There are two bartenders. They're obviously ticked off with us and we're ticked off with them. And my friend G and I are like, okay, we need to, um, we need to get a drink in and we'll figure out what the plan is. So we're standing there. One bartender is totally ignoring her. So I was like, let's switch places. I'll be adorable and cute and gothy and I'm sure she'll serve me faster. Um, so we switched places and then the bartender is asking if anybody ordered rosé spritzers. She's got these two rosé spritzers and we're so damn desperate for a drink that we're like, if nobody takes them, we'll take them. We'll help you out. No problem. This is what we're here for. So she was like, all right. So we, <laughs> so I think the drinks cost 11 and I misheard her. So I was like 10, 10 great. And she's like, no, it was 11. I was like, okay, here you go. Sorry. Um, so we drank our drinks and then another friend of ours in the group was like, you know what? We don't have any seats. We should head to another place, which I'll get to in a second, because this is one of the funniest parts of the evening. So a couple of us go outside for some fresh air and, uh, cause it's hot inside and we're standing outside of this poof and these two guys in their twenties. And I don't, I, I think they were Austrian, but they were definitely not Viennese. They come up to us and it's two girls and a guy and they're like looking at the sign that says poof, which as I said, is slang for brothel. And they're like, is this place what it should be? And they're kind of looking at us like, huh? And we're immediately like, no, no. And then they start running away and it was hilarious. I was like, no, don't do that. Get, get a girlfriend. Come on, guys. So that was hilarious. Anyway, a friend of ours ended up calling someone she knows that works at a hotel bar and was like, we don't have any seats in this place. Are, are, is there space in your hotel bar? And he was like, come on down. So we walked back pretty much to the same place we were before the pizzeria. I got a lot of steps in. I got a pedometer doing well. And we show up and it's called the, is it the Austria Trend Hotel? And it's in the fourth district. And it's funny because a year ago, my friend G actually did the most beautiful birthday event in their garden. They have this really interesting kind of garden. We had, it was like a barbecue, but it was so fancy and beautiful. So it was funny to be back there almost a year later for another birthday and in a completely different situation. So we walk into the small hotel bar and there are a couple of tourists sitting at the tables and we're all like, hi everybody, we're ready to party. And we stumble in, there's probably about only 15 of us because some people have headed home and there are the best gin and tonics I've had in the city and the breadsticks. Let me talk about the, I think these are, I think the hotel makes these breadsticks. I've, I couldn't have been hungry because I had had a ton of pizza, but for some reason these breadsticks, I was like, everybody try the breadstick, have a breadstick. You have to have a breadstick. And everyone's like, I don't have the breadstick. I can guarantee. And then somebody would be like, this is the best breadstick I've ever had. I was like, I told you. So I'm going back to the Austrian Trend Hotel for those breadsticks. Uh, the best part was that they started blasting the music. A bride walked in at one point to get a drink, which we thought was amazing. She was gorgeous, as all brides are. And then they played you know, Diggity and Shoop, and it was just like this amazing end to the evening. I ended up looking at the time. It was almost 1 in the morning, and I was like, nope, time for me to go home. I am mother. I must wake up at some point in the morning. So that was a fantastic evening. I uh, it wasn't far from where I live, so it was like a 15-minute walk. Put on my podcast of my favorite murder and then kind of scared the crap out of myself because it was 1 in the morning and I was walking alone. So I need to stop doing that because it's, it's a little terrifying. Um, so Sunday morning, I was absolutely exhausted. 
the kid was great. He let me sleep in a little bit. And then the husband had to go out because it was his mother's birthday. And uh, he met his parents. They went to the Plata de Ron Lorizma. Seemed like a really good time. He came back later in the afternoon. And then I uh, went to my friend Deborah's place, which has been renovated. And we kind of talked about interior design and the plans for when she gets back from her next trip of what she's going to do, which I always love to do. I also dyed my hair, which was very important because, yeah, I'm going gray, which uh, is kind of a funny story because I started kind of dyeing my hair as a teenager. But my mom was like, you can't really dye it. I'm not allowing you to do anything crazy, but you can use the henna from Body Shop. And then I, this was the 90s, so I don't know if you remember this henna. It came in kind of this brown packaging, and you were supposed to mix it with super hot water, and it stunk like alfalfa, and it was horrid. It was just this horrid smell, but it gave you a bit of a tint, and it was healthier for your hair than Clairol. Frosted tips, who knows? So I was able, I was allowed to do this, so I could go into the, well, I lived in the basement, there was like a laundry room that was a concrete floor, because this stuff stained. I totally understand why I had to do this in that room. You could not do it anywhere else. You would have had this orangey stain everywhere. So I would take like a measuring cup, pour out this like powdered henna, and then pour almost boiling water in it, mix it up. I'm not known for my patience, so I try to slap it onto my head and I would like give myself third degree burns as I'm standing half naked in the laundry room. <laughs> and I just remember it like sticking to my forehead and I like pick it off. Like it's, it was gross. It was absolutely disgusting. And it had to stay on there for 45 minutes. And then I'd wash it off in the sink and there would be like clumps of hair. I was so gross. Um, so that was my first foray into hair dye. And it's funny because I do have quite a lot of gray hairs. I got it from my, um, my dad's mom. And, uh, this ties into a story of, um, my childhood. <laughs> so before I started henna-ing it, I had this kind of mousy brown hair and I went to a party. I think it was a Halloween party and somebody had this gray hairspray and I sprayed it on. I don't know what my costume was. And, uh, I was like, look, I'm old. <laughs> I look back and I hate my 13 year old self. Um, so sprayed it on and I didn't, I it was a sleepover. So the next morning I came back and my mom saw my gray hair and she was like, that looks oddly realistic. And then my mom, who likes two practical jokes, was like, I have a plan. Your sister who's at university right now, I'm going to call her and tell her that you're going prematurely gray. So when she comes for Christmas, two months from now, we're gonna, you're going to put that on and, and you're going to pretend that you've turned gray. And I was like, all right, <laughs> okay. And my sister's seven years older. So, you know, she should be able to handle it. So, uh, my mom has been telling my sister for the last couple of months, like your sister's going gray. And my mom, my sister was like, why don't you get her some hair dye? My mom's like, no, your sister's happy with it. I mean, it's a very convoluted story, but this was like a big practical joke. So, um, it's time to put my sister up in Vienna at the airport and I show up with this gray hair um, that's been sprayed on and my sister, credit to her, was like, hi, how are you? And she's trying not to look at my hair and she gives me like a big hug <laughs> and then we get home and I, I couldn't hold it back. I was like, this is fake. I'm going to wash it out. And my sister was so ticked off and 
she's a good person. That's why she's ticked off. She was completely uh, lied to. But it, to be fair, it's not the worst thing that I've ever done to her. And I'm going to tell you about that in a minute. I'm just going to take a quick break and uh, tell you the worst thing I probably ever did to my sister. Okay, so I'm back. So this is the story of the worst thing I ever did to my sister. So Tanya, I apologize. I don't know if I ever really apologized to you. But when we lived in Bucharest in the 80s, we lived there from 83 to 86, and this was during Ceausescu time. And I think I was about four or five, and my it was my dad's first posting as a Canadian diplomat. And we lived in this incredible uh, villa, and they had these big, heavy doors. And my sister was chasing me, so it's really, Tanya, your fault. And she, she chased me into my room, and her finger was in between... I guess the closing of the door and I slammed the door shut and pretty much almost severed, I think her pinky. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I think she was about 11 or 12. And of course there's blood, there's chaos. My parents go rushing to the medical center with her and they're able to stitch it up. And I think she still has a crooked finger. I love you, Tanya. Um, and, um, I knew I was in a lot of trouble, so I had to hide and I, there was obviously a nanny around, but I knew that when my parents came back, I'd be in a lot of shit. So, uh, obviously being as intelligent as I am now, I hid under the glass coffee table thinking my parents couldn't see me and they came back home and they tell me that it was, um, it had been such a dramatic afternoon, but seeing me trying to hide under a glass coffee table that see-through, they found that quite amusing. So again, I apologize for almost cutting your finger off. And uh, I won't do that again. I, I promise. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess uh, siblings, eh? <laughs> That's why Raphael doesn't have a sibling, because I think, um, you know, if one hurts the other, uh, then you're stuck with like the, the weird one that did the damage. So yeah, that seems like a lot of work. No, we're not going to, we're not going to talk about that. So I guess I'm going to wind this down because uh, I've been talking forever tonight. There's a lot of talk, a lot to talk about. You got a history lesson. You heard about um, a former brothel and about how I almost cut my sister's finger off uh, the rest of the week. So tomorrow I have a meeting at Hard Rock Cafe, which has been uh, supportive of the Autism in Vienna Beacon Beach House. So I'm going to have a meeting there and then I'm going to have dinner Wednesday is the American Women's Association Charity, which will be at the Expat Center, so come on by if you're in the area. Uh, Thursday, we're actually going, we have a doctor's appointment at 6.30 with the kid. So I've mentioned this before, July 31st was our first appointment with this specialist. He's a gastro-something stomach specialist, uh, cost a fortune, and the kid all summer was having a lot of freakouts. He's being very difficult. It was a very difficult summer, and... I know a lot of it had to do with his digestion or lack of. And so when we went to this appointment in this uh, converted villa, the guy was like, oh, he's anal retentive. And I was like, yeah, shut it, Freud. Like, what? Um, but it turns out, yes, the kid is anal retentive. He does not want to go to the bathroom. So uh, he was put on this medicine, which I think has been a bit of a blessing. He's um, He just seems a lot happier. And, I mean, you would, too, uh, if you if you could go to the bathroom. So uh, we have a checkup on Thursday evening. So we're going to grab a taxi again, head out to this villa. Uh, maybe I can move in because it's a great place. And um, yeah, on Saturday, I'm going to a photo shoot for Craft Wines. 
It was kind of an open call. It's not because I'm a model or look like one at all. But it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to drink wine for a few hours and have our pictures taken. And then on Sunday, I'm doing a YouTube interview uh, with a woman who has a blog called American in Vienna. So that's going to be quite interesting and something completely out of my comfort zone. But I figure this year has really been about me going outside of my comfort zone. Um, yeah, I might wear a tube top at some point. That'll be really out of my comfort zone. Uh, again, I hope you all have a wonderful week. Uh, coming up soon will be a podcast about dating in Vienna. It was funny because I was having a conversation on Saturday uh, with a friend of mine about dating in Vienna and about the online dating that she's done and the horrific things that people write her. And we were talking about um, BDSM, which is, you know, not really my thing. And I kind of jokingly said loudly, um, you know, a little bit of spanking doesn't hurt. And at that point, two friends at another table turned around just as I was mimicking and saying that loudly. And I was like, that's that's fantastic, Tova, Tova the Freak. Um, so we're going to talk about that. And then I'm also going to talk about soon um, what fall is like in Vienna, because there are a few things that are traditional. And I'll talk a little bit about Oktoberfest, um, even though... It's called Oktoberfest. It happens in September. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of things to talk about. Obviously, I've just spent what over 40 minutes um, blabbering on. So I hope you all have a fantastic evening. I'm going to head to bed soon because we have to get up at six again and um, feed our child chocolate to get him out of bed. Good times. Uh, I hope you, again, have a great evening. Enjoy the cool weather if you can and the rain. And I guess to end it all, I will say, as always, toodles.